the, the hypocrisy, I think, in all these gangsters, that's something that a lot of people recognize, but that's not something, at least to me, that's going to make me, oh, you know, maybe I should reflect on my own life and actions because, you know, it's just too far removed from my own reality, my non-gangster reality to really make that connection. But by flipping that around to Richie, you know, who's more of this everyday guy who's just doing well on the job but not doing well at home, you know, that's something I can more easier relate to. Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. My name is Tom, you may know me as the creator of Like Stories of Old, and I'm joined by my fellow video essayist Thomas Flight to welcome you back to our Gangster Cinema series, in which we cover the evolution of gangster movies throughout the decades. Last week we discussed Scorsese's Goodfellas and the gangster cinema of the 90s, and today we're moving into the new millennium with Ridley Scott's American Gangster. If you want to follow along with us, see what other gangster movies are coming up and discuss them with us and other listeners, be sure to join us on our Discord server. You can find the link for that down in the description. Okay, so new millennium, new time for the gangster movie. Um, I think this was, for me at least, was the hardest decennia to pick like one iconic gangster movies i've seen a couple of them in plenty of them even but it really felt like um to me that the sort of democratization that we saw with goodfellas the, you know the more focus on not the mob boss sitting at the top of the mountain but more of like the middle guy and the smaller guys um it's really a trend that continued throughout the uh, zeros or the 2000s yeah um, and it led to a lot of interesting smaller movies i think uh some notable ones that i've seen are uh, city of god really good from brazil eastern promises uh which focuses more on russian uh gangsters even though it's all it's an american or english produced movie uh a Prophet, which is a really good uh, French movie about, uh, I think it was an Algerian man who is sent to prison and there he gets caught up in like the gangster life. And, uh, you know, it's kind of that story where you, uh, someone is sent to prison only to become something worse. Um, there's Layer Cake, which is I thought was really interesting. It's kind of, um, it's a movie directed by Matthew Vaughn, but it has this really early David Fincher slash Danny Boyle feel to it. And um, it, it's also one that really shows that the gangster movie at this point, or at least for this character, is just all about the business. It's not about becoming part of some family or rising to the top. It's just, you know, getting the quick buck and then getting out, um, which as the movie shows or critiques is easier said than done. Um, Scorsese continues to make to make great movies. The Departed came out in the zeros, uh, really good. Also, an interesting connection there with the movie that we're actually talking about, American Gangster, is that there's now a bigger focus, also I think, on the law enforcement side. Yes, uh, yeah. the Department is this kind of, or the Departed is this kind of cat and mouse game between. Um, two rats essentially you know there's an 
undercover gangster at the police department and a uh, police officer undercover with the gangsters. And it's it's one of my favorites, actually, of Scorsese, even though uh, uh, we don't talk about it that often, I feel. Um, and then lastly, the one that I uh, actually rewatched also this morning is Snatch, which is this oh, uh, yes. really iconic British yeah. Guy Ritchie movie, um, which also set its own sort of trend, I think, or its own stylistically, at least it set its own, um, you know, it, it carved out its own little territory in the gangster cinema subgenre that... Uh, a lot of movies that came later tried to imitate or try to build on. So yeah, that's uh, basically where I came in at uh, in the zeros with the gangster movies. Uh, we we decided on American Gangster because I feel like that's uh, when you look at the movies we've been talking about. I feel like this is the best cinematic continuation of that. Last week we also talked about The Sopranos, but uh, that's television, which is a little bit out of right. our uh the, the realm of our discussion here but yeah i think as far as movies go that american gangster really is this uh an, an interesting sort of stepping stone in the line that we've sort of been drawing from the godfather in the 70s up until the present day which um you know in the sense that it's this really sort of sweeping crime saga um just as scarface just as goodfellas just as the godfather um but it also does a few things different and i'm sure we'll get into that but um i also wanted to ask you you know what's your general connection with gangster movies from the the zeros what's your first impression on moving from the 90s into this new um new decade yeah i think it's interesting that you kind of describe how there's all these different movies that focus on smaller aspects of kind of crime within uh, the gangster world or, mm -hmm. you know, adjacent to it. And I think that's an evolution in kind of the type of stories that are being told in the 2000s. But also it, it sort of reflects probably to some extent something that we see a little bit in this movie that we're, we're talking about today kind of the shift away from this these more monolithic mob families as kind of the gangster uh, culture is kind of mm -hmm. fragmenting and disintegrating a little bit or reduced in power. That's something that's depicted, again, in, in The Sopranos, uh, which isn't really part of our discussion, but I think is at least worth mentioning here um, because especially once we get into the 2000s, depictions for me in this era i haven't seen as many of the movies that you're talking about but to me the 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 most culture the the biggest most culturally impactful depictions of gang crime in the 2000s were two television shows the sopranos and and also i think the wire which mm -hmm. kind of feels like the wire came started in 2002 did Breaking Bad start in the zeros, or was that after 2010? Breaking Bad came after The Sopranos and mm -hmm. and The Wire. I feel like that movie very much follows kind of like in their footsteps. 2008. 2008, yeah. So, yeah. So that started right on the heel of this. So mm -hmm. there's this gangster linear lineage kind of maybe gets taken over. 
the traditional one that we saw in the movies gets kind of mm-hmm. taken over by television. And so I think the movies, to a certain degree, start exploring different territory. Maybe not because of TV. Maybe that's just the way things are going. But mm-hmm. uh, but there's definitely a palpable change, I think. Um, but one of the the big relationships, I don't I don't know that the wire influenced this movie directly because they were being this was being written right around the time season one of the wire was coming out um but the show the wire i think was ending right when american gangster came out but there's a lot of overlap here between like the way it's depicting both sides kind of um against each other uh which is something you also mentioned it it comes up in the departed uh, there seems like a much more conscious uh, like examination of the police, not just in their process of taking down uh, the gangsters, but also kind of ways in which the police might be operating at like in gang like ways. Yeah, is something yeah. I think we see depicted here and in the wire. That's something that's definitely we've talked about how that's definitely alluded to in all the movies we've talked about so far, but it, the, the police, the corrupt police never really become central characters in the story, which is kind of what we see here, but also we're seeing, you know, the one lone rogue, you know, uh, good cop in the the midst of all the, the corrupt guys that's taking them down. Um, but yeah, I definitely think this one fits best in sort of this trajectory that we are, that we're that we're exploring while still you know evolving on that a little bit yeah let's briefly um talk about the elements that it carries over from the previous movies that we've talked about before going into the differences and seeing what the uh, american gangster adds to the genre or uh, to the discussion that we've been having so far did you have any general thoughts on that the first biggest most obvious thing is you have this classic rise and fall that we've talked about where we're following one yes. gangsters rise to power and then kind of the eventual tragedy of that. Yeah. The big difference here is you have uh, a black gangster in Harlem. And so there's a deviation. I mean, we kind of saw that already with Scarface where we had, mm-hmm. you know, an immigrant gangster, but there's a, there's a strong deviate deviation from the kind of classic Italian mafia story that we've been seeing and um and that's kind of a point that this this movie kind of harps on to to a certain degree uh and it's definitely part of sort of like the cultural landscape at the time yeah so that's that's the biggest difference there's that classic structure that we've seen but then the first twist is it's denzel washington and Hmm. the uh, the second twist is the addition of the the police yeah character i'd also say like as for what it does that the other movies also did is that it covers this wide uh, span of time yes wide span of time uh like goodfellas it also covers a true to life story a true story um which i don't think is net isn't not necessarily a staple of the genre but it's just uh it, it's an interesting observation as, uh, you know, we started with more fictional stories or more fictionalized stories and then slowly moved towards apparently more 
true to life stories. Yes. Although my research on this one definitely brought up the fact that uh, this might as well be a fictional story. The people, yeah. the names of the people <laughs> in it are real. Um, Frank Lucas was a real character. Richie mm -hmm. Roberts was a real person. Uh, but apparently many of the other details, many of the details of how everything went down are, are mostly yeah. or entirely fabricated, but maybe we can get a little bit more into that later. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how much, how relevant it is, except I think it's interesting that, you know, we see what is a true story being really contorted potentially to fit this story into sort of the tropes of the genre. So like the real mm -hmm. life story itself might have been very, you know, there's this pressure, I think, to contort the characters so that it feels like a gangster movie uh, because that's the yeah, kind yeah. of lineage that it, it's stepping into. Um, but yeah, anyway, maybe that's getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I read the same thing, especially also about Lucas's character that yeah. he in real life was apparently much more violent and much more like crude and uh, in, in some ways even unintelligent, I think he was described. Uh, whereas Denzel Washington, of course, plays him with this like cool demeanor and calm, stoic intelligence, which uh, rings more closely to like a Michael Corleone, who is, right. um, you know, someone who has a lot going on internally and who knows how to take care of the business, who knows how to behave himself within an environment and knows how to uh, get himself on top of things and um, yeah that that part definitely feels very dramatized and I also feel like there's they've added certain elements to make the story more um, to just add more dramatic tension and more dramatic irony I think also to the story there's this clear or this stark contrast between uh, Lucas Frank Lucas being this bad gangster who's also a great family man and who cares about his family and yeah. who you know gets up at 5 a.m he goes to church and he uh, drives his mother around and all that sort of stuff um, while on the other side doing all the bad gangster stuff and then there's the uh, the cop character Richie who is the great sort of incorruptible policeman even within within his own department but then Privately, he is the sort of deadbeat dad who is in the middle of a divorce and, you know, just doesn't seem like a very virtuous person in his private life. That, I think, is something that's very deliberate. You know, that's just that screenwriting stuff. That's not, yeah, you yeah. know, I don't think that's, I think that uh, Richie didn't even have a kid in real life yes. or something like that. Yeah, that that's, was some, what, yeah. that's what I was reading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that's fine, I guess. That's right. It adds an interesting, um, some interesting motifs, I think, to the story that also um, cross at a later point where at, towards the end, there's a sort of, um, you know, you have the two characters sort of coming closer together and then crossing each other at some point, after which uh, Richie gets to have this revelation that also in, in his private life really makes him act more virtuously basically having him enact the same principles that he uses on the job to his uh, to resolve his divorce in an honorable way whereas lucas towards the end becomes more 
you know, as you see with most of the downfalls of the gangster figures, he becomes more paranoid, more violent, more just uh, altogether more quote unquote bad towards those who he used to be or used to have this mask in front of or those who he used to care about. There's an interesting dramatization there of the way the characters interact. Um, but yeah, maybe all this is getting ahead a little bit too far <laughs> of the fact that the one major addition to this story compared to others, the, the other gangster stories that we've talked about is that inclusion of um, the police force perspective and specifically also of this um, one character, Richie, who is um, a sort of outsider within his own police force because he is the one who is um, not corruptible. At least there's this event that took place before the um, before the movie happens in which Richie and his partner had a chance to take away, uh, I think, a, a million or something. Um, you know, they had a chance to do some corruption, but they turned they turned the money and they did like the, the right thing to do. And ever since then, they've become these pariahs within the police department. They, um, you know, are looked down upon by the other cops and they're not trusted also because, you know, if, if all the other cops are corrupt and then they are honest that means that you know there's no you know there's obvious friction there where whenever the cops feel like they cannot trust their own and um uh that also causes his partner i think to start doing cocaine or heroin or something he's he becomes this drug addict uh i think he oh, it, he does he starts doing the cocaine that is eventually dealt by Frank Lucas's character because I think that's also that's what he this... overdoses on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's also what creates this personal link that makes um, Richie motivated to specifically start hunting down um, Frank Lucas, who he doesn't know at this point is uh, the one who's dealing all this, uh, all these drugs. So yeah, that that I think was a very interesting addition to. Uh, the other movies that we've been talking about. I feel like there was already a seed for that planted in the 80s with The Untouchables, which also had this more um, a, a cop-centric perspective on what was essentially still a gangster story. You know, that was about El Capone and the, uh, the prohibition, uh, but told from the police's perspective. And now I think, um, you know, we're seeing something similar here where you get to see more of an inside perspective from the police force, which in the other movies has been a presence, but it's been, you know, from the perspective of the gangsters. It's, yeah, um, you know, we've seen the police officers as corrupt and in some ways even as one of the reasons that the gangsters exist because the police force themselves, they cannot be trusted to do their job and they cannot be trusted to keep the community safe. And that's where these gangsters stepped in. And... I think it's very interesting that the that that's an element that is carried over that police that systemic corruption um, and sort of the quote unquote gangster ishness of the legal side of United States institutions, uh, which kind of as as this sort of corrupted mirror of the gangster life. Um, and then tells that story from the inside out instead of from the outside in. Um, yeah, that's just something I thought was very interesting and also 
um, made for me at least the story a lot more interesting because I have to say I did enjoy American Gangster a lot more than I remembered I did like the first time I saw it uh, I, I think I saw it when it came out or shortly after and I thought like oh this is nice or fun movie but I forgot like how well crafted of a story it actually is and I, I'm a fan overall the temples the temples for me here are pitting those two characters against each other and mm-hmm. having these kind of warring characters um, is really buoyed here by excellent performances from Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington. So it's just really fun to see both of these characters kind of on their rise, doing their yeah. work and kind of like playing this game against each other. Uh, and I think, you know, that makes for a really different movie than what we've seen from the other ones so far and kind of a a new variation now towards the end for Denzel's character for Frank Lucas the paranoia isn't am I going to get whacked are the other gangs coming after me it's is the law going to catch up to me uh you know he has paranoia where he's he's pretty he kind of has the other gangs taken care of like you know there's mm. there's a moment where somebody tries to make a hit on him, and I don't know that it's ever confirmed who that actually was, but it's almost even p- implied that that's probably uh, the corrupt um, uh, police, the Josh Brolin character, the Detective yeah, exactly. Trupeau guy. Yeah. Um, so it's like the real the real threat is the law enforcement rather than the other gangs or you know the other gangsters specifically also i think the actual virtue that they are supposed to represent because you know the law enforcement themselves at for a long time wasn't an issue because they were just paid off right uh, just as the other gangs were kept happy in their own way so i i think what the movie shows here is that you know frank managed to play the gangster life perfectly but the one thing it's it's incapable of, of, or ultimately incapable of overcoming is that sort of incorruptible true virtue that, you know, more honestly reflects the true, uh, you know, the, the sort of evil-ish nature of the gangster life and the violence and the corruption and the destruction and all that it really um, consists of. And so that, I think, is a really interesting subversion also there where it's... Um, as you said, it's, he's not just being whacked by some other gangster who then steps up, but he's really, I think, for the first time, for the first time in the gangster movies that we've discussed so far, it feels like there's something that actually changes for the better at the end. It's not just, you know, a gangster move or a gangster dies and another takes over, or you know, the one gets whacked but the other lives, or you know, the, the one snitches on the, his friends but the the system is still corrupt. But it feels like there's also a sort of it does feel like the, the the streets are a little bit cleaner by the end of this movie than they were at the beginning. Um, you know, not to speak in too big of an absolute here, because obviously that's crime wasn't solved in 1970 or whenever this story ended. Um, but it does feel like there is the, the that I do feel like the movie makes a point of trying to depict some sort of quality that could genuinely you know be a foil for the gangster life and the way these gangsters operate yeah i i I definitely agree that i think that's what it's getting at i think 
ultimately where I get a little bit nervous and we'll, we'll I'll talk about the two mm. sides of this is that I think to some extent that's a little bit of like a myth, like a, a myth in the classic sense of like what's being presented here is like, Oh, th this heroic story of this one cop who's so uncorrupt yeah, yeah. that he can operate within the system and take this guy down. And I think that's not, in a lot of ways, like a depiction of the reality we see with how these things play out. Um, yeah. It's not that law enforcement doesn't sometimes take these things down. And I think around this time, there's a reduction in organized crime, largely due to like the formation of these uh, federal bureaus. Uh, you know, the D it's kind of touched on in this film. The formation of the DEA happens specifically to start targeting narcotics, which is something, you know, it's interesting that, we kind of see this arc start in The Godfather where the gangsters themselves are like, don't touch the drugs because the drugs are bad news for us. Like that's bad mm -hmm. business to get into. And literally that is part of what ends up being their downfall in a sense where uh, that is what is leveraged against them to really, you know, create these this war against uh, drug gangs, essentially. Um, and I think that gives federal government some of the leverage that it it wants or needs in order to be able to come in and, mm -hmm. and try to crack down on these things but there's a flip side to that story which is that while maybe some of the internal like organized crime related corruption is reduced uh and and you know maybe there is a reduction in in some of these things the war on mm -hmm. drugs at least in the united states continues to be like a largely ineffective uh you know ongoing war that doesn't really accomplish many of its goals so yeah. there's a sense in which this movie kind of depicts richie as like oh we're forming the narcotics bureau here's mm -hmm. this heroic guy that's that's pushing the charge on essentially what is the beginning of the dea and then that institution ends up not being quite as maybe uh successful as what is depicted yeah. or you what you might imagine based on what's depicted in this in this movie um i will say the caveat to that uh, it's not like this movie is quote unquote copaganda in in that sense because it's also depicting intense police corruption too and part of what this guy is taking down is this huge internal network of uh of uh corruption by the end it's not just the, the the gangsters who get arrested but it's also a you know a bunch of the corrupted um officers that are being uh charged and i'm not sure if they were convicted or um they weren't ultimately convicted which is part of the yeah. that's part of the um <laughs> the thing with yeah. stories like this is like yeah this kind a, lo a lot of times this corruption like this continues to perpetrate to, to some degree because it's it's really hard to get actual convictions against um law enforcement in a lot of mm -hmm. in a lot of cases but there there was it, it it was it was tough to figure out what the this movie's relationship to the reality of that of things that went down um happened because there was actually an instance where the dea sued uh the movie for defamation um, really. because at the end at the end of the film, one of the titles claims that something, it makes a specific claim about DEA officers being convicted. And mm -hmm. the defamation lawsuit was thrown out 
because the attorney was like that claim ultimately ended up not being true but also the movie never depicted any actual dea agents it, it didn't qualify as defamation yeah yeah but there is a slightly distorted claim at the end of this movie that kind of overstates the hmm. the amount of success that uh this particular yeah. case had in kind of taking down uh specifically like dea um corruption although maybe that didn't exist in the first place if they were suing <laughs> yeah. or maybe it did and they were just so you know it's hard who knows who knows i don't i didn't do enough research to get to the bottom yeah. of it i feel like in that sense uh, you know when i spoke of you know the kind of virtues and vices that the movie this the place i'm i think i'm seeing it more as not as a little literal piece of history you know right obviously right. ridley scott has fictionalized uh, a lot of it but more as his sort of idealized vision of right you know look how much better the world could be if only you know the the, the police systems were cleaned out from corruption we had those, those better oversights and um gangsters wouldn't be a thing or you know yeah, yeah. if individuals make the right choices yeah uh you know w weren't corrupt then that could yeah which i think is that's something that ridley scott comes back to a lot of times in his movies you know kingdom yeah. of heaven very much focuses on personal morality gladiator to some extent is also about uh you know russell crowe's stoicism in that movie um i'm sure there's other other movies that i can't think of at the moment but uh, i feel like those are the closest ones to american gangster both in the time uh, in the sense of time of release as well yeah. as thematically i feel like this the the interesting thing with that for me is on some level like i completely agree i think this is a great message in the sense that you know there your individual choice your individual morality and and the choices you make and your the responsibility you have in your life you know if you're a police officer choosing not to be corrupt is like the scope of essentially the scope of your individual power or the thing mm -hmm. that largely you as an individual can be judged by morally but there's this flip side of the coin which is something that kind of comes up in the movie explicitly towards the end where there's this conversation that frank lucas has with richie where they kind of talk uh very frankly and openly and there's this relationship between sort of like the right thing to do and kind of the the quote-unquote the facts of the reality of the situation which is much more about this like systemic environment and the things yeah. that the things that lead to these individuals being put in a place where they see you know corruption as being the choice that can be made or they see corruption as being something they can get away with you know there's there's this systemic flip side to things um and there's a line there's there's a line he has it, it richie has in here somewhere that i really loved which was like stop bringing dope into this country and about a hundred thousand people are going to be out of a job um mm -hmm. so the movie's definitely aware of like you know kind of these it's also talking about Vietnam and all the things that are going on in the country at the time, this much larger, like systemic thing that's surrounding that, um, which is something that things like the Sopranos and I think the wire are also examining. So I think that's part of the, like 
this 2000 shift as well is this sort of like having a little bit more historical context on sort yeah. of the events that were happening during this era which is we didn't mention but like 70s to 80s 70s 80s 90s yeah 60s still chronologically behind scarface i think a lot right. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so there's there's a broadening view i think of kind of like the context of mm -hmm. uh of all of all of this narrative yeah um but yeah ridley scott is making a movie about two guys and dramatically the most interesting thing is to be like you know what are their individual moral choices mm -hmm. uh, and so i think that's that's largely what it what it comes down to here i think it, the movie focuses on that a lot but i don't think it undermines the place within the ind of the individual within that those larger systemic uh forces and to to what extent if they can undermine personal virtue as is shown you know richie's kind of you know he's kind of depicted as quite incapable at the beginning of the movie because yeah. he's just tossed around in this corrupt system and nobody wants you know there's nothing in place to really let that virtue be facilitated i think as far as you know the movie being about personal philosophy i think it does comment on the issue of compartmentalization in an interesting mm -hmm. way that the way you can be super virtuous in one area of life and then somehow neglected in another and that's i think that's a very basic truth at, about how we operate that we're just filled with these internal inconsistencies and contradictions and that it's important to examine those if we truly want to be that you know or want to present ourselves as a virtuous person then we shouldn't just do it in you know one area of life but also make sure to cover the blind spots and to make sure you carry that out all the way instead of just um pretending you are this great human being in one aspect of life while neglecting it in another because that's you know there's kind of an inversion there with frank also who does essentially the same thing you know it's you know, he's obviously worse than the cop because he, you know, the parts that he focuses on, you know, his family, his place in Harlem, um, there is, that's why he expresses his, you know, his version of virtue. But then with all the violence and the gangster life, he's yeah. obviously way more viceful than uh, Richie is. But it, it, it's that contradiction that has been there for, since the very beginning. But I think, um, you know, since the very beginning of the the gangster movies we've been discussing the kind of facade in one area of life while hiding sort of the darker aspects that make that life possible we see that in the godfather with the ending montage very clearly we see that in scarface with kind of his hypocrisy towards wanting to kind of protect his sister from the thing that he's engaging mm -hmm. with the hypocrisy I feel like it is more implicit in Goodfellas because Henry Hill is so kind of blatantly just owns his love of wanting to be yeah. a gangster. Mm -hmm. um, but it's still there, you know, underneath the surface uh, mm -hmm. for sure. But yeah, that's been a core theme. It's, it's, I think in Goodfellas, it's there in the idea that everyone's shaking hands, buying each other a bottle of wine, right. and then the next, the other moment they'll shoot uh, each other, be in, insulted yeah. and uh, shoot each other in the face. Yeah, that's... Yeah. But I, I like the way this uh, American gangster um, has has an element of that or carries that element to its cop character, but then brings it more down to earth in a way or it makes it more relatable because, you know, 
the, the hypocrisy, I think, in all these gangsters, that's something that a lot of people recognize, but that's not something, at least to me, that's going to make me, oh, you know, maybe I should reflect on my own life and actions because, you know, it's just too far removed from my own reality, my non-gangster reality to really make that connection. But if you kind of, but by flipping that around to Richie, you know, who's more of this everyday guy who's just... Uh, doing well on the job but not doing well at home you know that's something i can more easier relate to or you know uh, or that i'm guessing most people in general can relate to who uh, have found themselves being very attentious to let's say their work or something else and then maybe being a little bit more neglectful when it comes to uh, stuff at home or whatever or maybe the other way around but uh uh, so that that I think is the the, the interesting bit in, in this movie with regards to personal philosophy, personal mora- morality, and the more individualistic um, nature of this story, or at least this aspect of the story. Um, but yeah, as for the more systemic stuff, um, I'm thinking maybe we should we haven't really properly introduced Lucas uh, Frank Lucas as a character really, and what his uh, where his story sort of begins, because that I think is very much related to also his place within the society, and which is also what enabled his rise to power in a way. Um, because basically he is this black gangster from Harlem who started in the 50s or 60s or something. Uh, I don't remember the exact starting point the of the story. That he... Yeah, yeah. So he is being mentored at the beginning of the story by this other uh, mob boss figure um, who is buying cocaine from the Italians, I think. And then, uh, you know, he basically gets his stuff like second rate and then cuts it up and then it's distributed in in an even worse state to uh, the people of Harlem or at least that neighborhood. Um... But then he dies, and then Frank sort of claims power, but he um, manages to go. That's also when the Vietnam War starts, and he learns of all these soldiers who get addicted to heroin and coke and whatnot to um, while they're over there in Vietnam. And so Frank goes to Vietnam himself to buy his cocaine. Is it cocaine or heroin? I keep forgetting heroin. what... Heroin. Yeah. He buys it directly from the creators there or the the people who make the stuff and so he comes back with like the cleanest stuff on the streets that's also cheaper than what the italians are doing Uh, i like by the way how the sort of the sicilian family is mentioned every now and then but it feels like you know they they are both about to be trampled on by this new (laughs) kingpin on the street but also it feels like more on that more meta level it's kind of stepping over the godfather in a little bit not in the sense that it's trying that it's saying oh this movie is going to be better but it's it is kind of like it it does feel like there's a little bit of a wink to cinematic history that you know over there the godfather is playing out and here we are about to tell a new story so it's because he's not related to any of these existing mob families that he's also um capable of having his business and keep it extremely under the radar you know he's that's also a you know um an important business tragedy that we've also seen in the other gangster movies which they 
often fail to adhere to is that they have to keep a low profile and not make a fuss because that's when you get like pinged on the, the, the law enforcement radar and maybe also by the other families. So yeah, that's, and, and then there's an interesting turning point where he gets this, he goes to like this boxing match and he gets this coat from his wife, which is this really flashy fur coat with like the big hat. Um, and that's when he gets noticed, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's when he, because, you know, all the while this is playing out, the police have no idea who he even is. You know, he's not even on their radar at all. They have this big... Um, blackboard or whatever it is you know the, the, the stuff you see in the movies where they uh, post all the photos on and draw all the little uh, lines uh, but he's not even on there at least not at, until that moment to, until he dresses himself up way too nicely and then he gets noticed and that's when people start getting interested they start digging into him uh, Richie specifically and that's when the whole uh, that's, that's the beginning of the end for him basically so yeah that I think is the more the interesting contextual context yeah, yeah. there, I guess, for the um, Frank's rise to power, the fact that he was, wasn't was coming from this established family that was already uh, familiar by the, by the law enforcement and by the fact that he was uh, exploiting the war in Vietnam. You know, he, uh, I think it was, um, oh, no, they did, I think they made it explicit, right, that he was, transporting the drugs in the um, coffins of the dead soldiers. Yeah. Which, you know, was a big point where the police force, they try to seize this plane, but then he wants to look at the coffins, but then uh, the, the Richie is sort of stopped because that would be like desecrating the, 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 the sanctity of these soldiers, which, you know, of course, Frank didn't care about because he did still all day. Right. Uh, all, all the drugs in there and... Um, so yeah, another nice little contrast there about in integrity and where to use it and where to look away. And um, so yeah, and there's that the the Vietnam War, and then uh, there's I think his you know his heritage as a black man or his you know his cultural background, which also um, wasn't one I think that was much on the police or or you know wasn't much on the radar. I think both with the other gangster families as well as on the Right. For the law enforcement, when it came to being these serious players in the drug business, um, which he showed him for because he ultimately ended up being, I think, the largest drug dealer in that era of history, at least right. in the United States. And lastly, I'd say for systemic issues is that there's obviously the we've already talked about this the the, the corruption but within the police that he. Um, knows how to deal with in his own way. You know, he pays off the cops that hassling him a little bit. That's also, uh, what's his name? Josh Brolin's character. Um, they get into a little fit at some point. That, that That's kind of the context that this movie plays out in. I think I think the only thing I would add is that in, in the context of he, him being a black man, there's this kind of, yeah. and coming from that background, they touch on sort of his relationship to the police from the beginning and that oh, yeah. being like part of the sort of context for his movement into crime um they they talk about that towards the end and then there's also this interesting image of almost his rise as this kind of 
like perverse progress on the American dream is how Richie's character puts it, where it's like, uh, you know, oh, we've there's there's more equality even in our organized crime now, uh, which is somehow i don't know like <laughs> this it strikes me as this kind of very uh, american sort of um mm-hmm. uh uniquely american twisted like idea of of progress um mm-hmm. but yeah nonetheless um that that's definitely like a through line in this as well i don't know you know i don't know if it's commenting on anything like particularly profound in regards to any of the that subject matter but it's it's present and it's there in a way that you know racism and the relationship between the different ethnicities involved in organized crime are have always kind of been a low-key part of these stories you know the italians don't always get along with the jewish mobsters and uh you know there's there's these different dynamics at play that we see, we've seen play out in Goodfellas, Godfather, Scarface, some of the other movies. And then the same thing is kind of at play here where he's not being looked at at first very seriously because he's a black guy. And then that's shifting and changing yeah. over, over the course of this, this story. Yeah. I don't know that any of these movies are really dealing with like those things, at least, at least from my perspective, from what I know Mm -hmm. in a way that says anything that, that feels profound or new to me about them. Um, besides, besides just acknowledging it as part of the dynamic at play in organized crime between these different sort of like ethnic, uh, and racial boundaries. So far as it just goes for the, just this being a gangster movie, uh, you know, as I was talking about Denzel Washington or, you know, there being this, him being like specifically a black um, gangster, which on first glance should feel more subversive, but I feel like it's it is at some point or in some way also very much a staple of the genre that we get these outside or like immigrant or right. minority yes. perspectives in these stories. Um, I'm sure there's other people, you know, creators like uh, FD Signifier or something would who, who would have a lot more to say about the the, the the more black cultural significance here and what that uh, means as opposed to having let's say Italian Im- immigrants or uh, Cuban in um, Scarface but uh, yeah that that's not an a subject that I'm particularly well versed in yeah. as a a white European guy. Some of our listeners yeah. might have insight beyond what what we have just watching this movie. If you do, I'd I'd um I'd love I'd be very interested to hear about it. Uh, in our discord or or comments somewhere it, it's interesting to note i wish i i had more perspective on um sort of how this relates to mm-hmm. to the others or or what the depiction of like harlem you know means in this movie if it if it was significant at the time if it, it you know if it's accurate or if it's if it has its own sort of slant that's maybe twisting things yeah. in a certain way, it's hard. It's 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 hard to tell. I'm guessing it does make more explicit the 
relation between the civilians and the police, which between, I think, between black people and right. the, the police force, at least in the United States, has always been a little bit more contentious than, let's say, uh, the Italian-Americans and the police, yes. I think. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure where the right guys to really <laughs> right, dive into right, that exactly. with, in, in, with, with much more insight than that. The level of insight I have is essentially to say that I don't know that this movie is particularly insightful about it. I think it does. Yeah, to my yeah. eye, it seems like it does a fine job of depicting things, but it's uh, it like Ridley Scott is also not the guy who has, and Steve Zazalian are also not the guys who have a ton of insight on these things, yeah. you know, necessarily. So, uh, you know, I think... Yeah, it's definitely not a Steve McQueen or a Barry Jenkins movie that right. obvious or probably most probably play a subject like this very differently or... Yeah. Uh, depict something like this very differently but, yeah um yeah i i, I do think um I, I do think you're right that the movie doesn't set out to really explore these racial dynamics in more detail than the other gangster movies did and um maybe just uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it's um saying that it would use it as just more of a flavoring uh that's also maybe not doing it justice but um it does feel like this movie still, first and foremost, really wanted to be that kind of sweeping gangster story yes, that yeah. we already had with Goodfellas and that we saw with um, Scarface and God the Godfather without being a straight up throwback. You know, um, right. there's one movie that I hadn't mentioned that also came out in this decade, and that's um, Road to Perdition. Mm, which yes, yeah. I thought it was fine, but it also that that's one that felt more like we're gonna make a movie like the way they used to make that yeah. movie, you know. Whereas I do feel like American Gangster tried to update it a little bit, at least for the new millennium, or at least for a new audience. Even though the movie is still uh, very retro in its presentation, and uh, but it's it's retro, I think, interestingly, in a way that takes after more of class we see a fusion of the gangster genre and like the classic police thriller or like the crime mm. thriller where like stylistically this movie looks a lot more like the french connection or uh you know serpico or like some of these like 60s 70s kind of like gritty police detective dramas that's kind of in terms of look and feel i feel like what it takes after structurally it takes after the big gangster epics that we've been talking about but then there's yep. a lot of shots in this that you know feel like ridley scott's doing his best like you know french connection or uh or something like that um which is a fusion i think is is cool and i think it's it's one other people have explored as well yeah no i think you're right i couldn't help but laugh a little bit at, at first at the like the bad wigs and the 70s <laughs> makeup which yeah, yeah, yeah. add a little bit of a N not like a parody, but uh, it, it does feel like at first it doesn't. It's not a fully self-serious movie, but then later on, I do feel it. It, it is very much taking itself seriously. It just maybe it was just me who had to get adjusted to uh, the aesthetics of the seventies, which feel <laughs> um, a little bit weird now because right. it's not. It's now there's like this double layer of nostalgia where it's. It's it's not the seventies as we look at it now, but it's the seventies as it was looked back on from two thousand and seven, yeah. <laughs> I think, when this film came out. Which, yeah, yeah. Um 
which already is you know there's already a pretty gap a pretty big gap between here and that movie and then from that movie to the time when it's actually taking place but that also works i think to its advantage when uh because i do feel like this movie has a very classic feel to it you know it's shot i think or pretty sure on um on, on actual film stock yeah it's, yeah uh, has some great location shots it does mostly fine i think in terms of like um the the way people are dressed and the way they look uh sometimes i think especially that uh the guy who plays the first partner of richie is a little bit over the top in how how 70s he looks but um some of the later ones do, by the way, but um, but yeah, overall, it very it very much feels like a movie that would now be made with you know digital cameras, green screens, or like s- s- somewhat yeah. obvious green screens, with or whatever. You have this just these full CGI shots of New York or whatever city they're taking place in in uh, the seventies, instead of having a real location that's just. Uh, well preserved or you know you know part yeah. of a location that's well preserved they were able to shoot on like abandoned buildings in harlem that were mm-hmm. from that era and and by i don't know if they went back in and dressed them back up or or you know just used them in the existing condition or whatever um, yeah but they do it the sense of place i feel like is really strong without it ever feeling you know sometimes you get these period pieces where it feels cramped because you can tell like oh if you pan the camera over there you're gonna see like the wrong thing or they had to like green screen everything beyond like this block very obviously Mm -hmm. because it's a cg city beyond that i I never got that feeling watching this movie it feels very uh, assured in its 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 time and place which i think is Mm -hmm. is is great yeah, it's it, and you know the reason I'm saying this, it's not just because I think that's great filmmaking. It is, but uh, I think that also is something that we've talked about earlier, which plays so strongly in the sort of gangster mythos and part of what makes this fantasy or this story so interesting is that uh, that it, it is that strong sense of place and that strong sense that you know these guys, you know, the gangster side at least, they are part of this. Um, tangible neighborhood or this tangible community that they that is their little territory you know that their little sort of lion king kingdom uh so to say which uh they take care of and they which is where their lives play out and which also is uh, in this movie at least where the um uh the police also is you know a part of and it's also their city i guess but um you know that that element that we've talked about that with the godfather and some of the other movies that idea that the gangster movie is to some extent localized or at least starts out in a local spot where this that i think is very much part of that nostalgic quality i think that we that is sort of almost accidentally maybe connected to the gangster genre but that maybe is something i feel like it's almost standing apart from that in terms of why we find these stories so interesting or so nostalgic even because it plays into that feeling that uh, all these stories take place in a time where that sort of physical space still mattered so much and was still so important and uh, you know it was just all the stage where all this drama played out which I feel like is a disconnect that a lot of people are now 
experiencing more. Um, but yeah, that's that's I think also very much um, American Gangster. I think is therefore also an interesting. Uh, we touched upon it a little bit with Goodfellas, but I think this is truly like the last, the last great gangster film in in the sense that it feels like one of the old gangster films you know it feels like still feels like very much like that old sweeping epic and i feel like everything that's coming afterwards and we'll talk about this next week is feels more affected by the fact that we have grown disconnected from the kind of life that these gangsters um, indirectly portray that kind of direct connection to an environment that direct connection to a place um because you know 2007 i think it was that this movie came out it's kind of you know internet's on the rise people are more online and as we move into 2010s that will become only more explicit and i think that will also uh, mark that interesting shift for our understanding of the gangster movie and our appreciation of it um but yeah i guess i guess we'll uh have to talk about that more in the next episode yeah and i think i think too it's in, in a sense the the story the format that we're talking about here the specific gangster at least in the form that we've been looking at it primarily in these films it doesn't really exist anymore in the same way and so if you wanted to continue making these kinds of movies in the 2010s in the 2020s you'd just be doing throwbacks and for such a thoroughly explored genre i think you know it, it would be hard to be making stuff that um mm-hmm. that wouldn't just feel like rehashing the same territory um and so i think we really start to see it kind of dissipate as a genre like i think you're right that this is kind of the last like attempts we'll see at really doing this same thing at least that are working but even here, there was already a throwback, you know, the, yes, the yeah, 2007 yeah. movie that takes place decades before. And, yeah. right. and so, you know, I think what we see is television kind of takes over some of that storytelling. Uh, true crime kind of comes in and starts to replace the gangster mm-hmm. story, I think, as as the, the stories about seedy criminal underbellies that people are, are more interested in, uh, at least in the like cultural zeitgeist at this at this time so i think everything what we'll talk about next week the irishman um i think really is more of a postscript to the gangster yeah. film um and most likely any films that'll come in the decades after this that kind of fall into this genre if if they continue i think will also be sort of postscripts or i think kind of like we see now with um westerns in the future, mm-hmm. we might start to see more sort of like postmodern deconstructions of the genre where, yeah. you know, like we talked about before, you might start to have like, you know, now you have movies that it's like, it's a Western, but, you know, it's about the guy who just creepily plays banjo in the, you know, and, and yeah, walks yeah. around and, uh, and his son, you know, you have these like subversions of the genre in very poetic ways, mm-hmm. uh, with the Western now, um, I, we might start to see that happen with the gangster film. I don't know if we will, but I imagine if it continues as a genre, that's what we'll start to see yeah. more of. I think we've seen that happen because I think one of the defining gangster movies of the 2010s is actually uh, 
you know, one that is defined by the fact that our, you know, largely because of the internet, because of the financial crisis, because other larger societal developments and modernization is that our perspective of what really constitutes the gangster or the gangster life and the kind of uh, danger and the problem and the sort of corruption they represent, our understanding of all that has also shifted. And that, that I think, led to another very classical gangster movie that is technically not a gangster movie at all. It's also directed by Scorsese. But I'll talk about that in yes. the in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a great point. Just to just to tease this final episode mm-hmm. and kind of set the stage for it. I think one some of the themes that we've been seeing that we see laid out really explicitly at the beginning of American Gangster, where this this scene where uh, where Bumpy, I think was his name, the the previous gangster, mm-hmm. kind of goes in and he's like, "Look at this store. The market is a supermarket now." Um, we've seen it in in films in some of the films we've already talked about, but there's a sense that the gangster is kind of being displaced by something in America, like something yeah. is pushing them out. Um, so uh, I think we'll maybe talk a little bit about that next time. Um, and then the other thing I think all these movies do is kind of stop a little short of sort of an ultimate examination of the morality of the gangster. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about the whole arc of the Godfather series and kind of how that follows Michael. Uh, So we get a little bit of that in, in the Godfather, but a lot of these films kind of end with this rise and then fall where the gangster ends up, you know, in Scarface, he goes out in a blaze of glory in, Mm -hmm. in, uh, in Goodfellas, he just ends up as a regular guy. In, in yeah. American Gangster, he's back on the streets. You know, he's no longer this big somebody, but he's free. Um, I think eventually, the next, yeah, eventually, yeah. <laughs> I think the next movie we're going to talk about, The Irishman, kind of looks at like digs into that question a little bit further. Scorsese pushes beyond where most of these movies kind of cut off, and yeah, and digs a little deeper so i'm looking forward to talking about that and wrapping up uh at least for now maybe we'll have to come back in 2030 something (laughs) and see where the gangster second half of this season (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) see where the gangster uh film is at then but yeah but yeah in the in the meantime you'd be welcome to come hang out with us in our discord server the, the link for which you can find in the show notes or in the description and See you next week in the final episode of our Gangster Cinema series.